You are listening to Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. I'm your host, Pat Ivey. And I'm your co-host, Mackenzie. And thanks for tuning in to another episode. Culture of accountability is when a lot of your athletes are doing what they're supposed to be doing, when they're supposed to be doing, how they're supposed to be doing it. Competence. Do your athletes know what they're supposed to be doing so that they can do what they're supposed to be doing? Are they committed? Will they see it from the start to the finish? Will they complete the task? Are they consistent? Coach Gary Pinkle was born in Akron, Ohio, the same state where he began his coaching career two decades later at Kent State, where he played with Alabama head coach Nick Saban. Coach Pinkle was a two-time All-American tight end and team captain. He worked as a graduate assistant at his alma mater until he moved into work at the same position for the University of Washington. Later, he moved on as a wide receivers coach for Bowling Green University. Coach Pinkle returned to Washington, where he was an assistant coach for 11 years under his mentor and former Kent State coach, Don James. Coach Pinkle was later promoted to offensive coordinator at Washington before he moved on to his first head coaching job at the University of Toledo. There he holds the record for the most wins in school history and was voted MAC Coach of the Year in 1995. Coach Pinkle's next stop and final stop would be in Columbia, Missouri, where he took over a program with just one 10-win season in school history and two winning seasons in the previous 17 years. As the head coach at the University of Missouri, Coach Pinkle led the Tigers to five 10 wins or more seasons, 10 winning seasons, and earned most wins in MU history. Coach Pingle's program at, at MU produced nine first round draft picks, seven bowl victories, and 11 bowl appearances, and five conference divisional championships. He earned Coach of the Year honors twice, first in 2007 in the Big 12 and next in 2014 after Missouri's move to the Southeastern Conference. During his tenure as the Mizzou head coach, Coach Pinkle emphasized academics and led the conference in the academic prog progress rate. During his tenure at Mizzou, Coach Pinkle emphasized academics and led the conference in academic progress rate several times. He also graduated 95% of his seniors. Coach Pinkle is one of only three coaches to ever hold most wins for two collegiate programs. He finished his career with the 20th most wins of any coach in college football history and is the first coach in FBS history to lead his team to the conference championship game in three different leagues, the MAC, Big 12, and SEC. He is an inductee into the Missouri Sports Hall of Fame, St. Louis Hall of Fame, Mid-American Conference Hall of Fame, Toledo Athletics Hall of Fame, Kent State Athletics Hall of Fame, and Kenmore High School Hall of Fame. Welcome to the show, Coach Pinkle. Hey, Coach Ivy, how you doing? <laughs> I'm I'm going to catch my breath. <laughs> well, you know what? I, uh, I first of all, thanks for having me on. But I, uh, you know, I, I wrote a book called Hundred Yard Journey. It came out two years ago. We had a couple of reprints, and uh, in that whole book, it kind of it kind of reeks with how I've always been surrounded by good people my whole life. And honestly, and yeah, I have, and 
it's certainly been a blessing for me. That's awesome, Coach. I, I know uh, the first time I met you, um, you you were a little bit intimidating to me, Coach. You were someone that carried yourself with a high level of integrity, intensity, character, your morals, your ethics. It just it just it just came off of you. So for me, I, I knew that uh, I better be on top of my game when I'm when I when I was around you. Well, you know, for me, you know, it was, uh, uh, you know, it was about treating people the right way. It's about, you know, organization. It's about, you know, have a plan in place uh, for absolutely everything that you do in your organization. Well, as I mentioned before, it's about people. So I, I have a guy named Dick Fortner, my high school coach at Akron, Ohio, Kenmore High School. And never won a championship there. And he comes in there. And I happened to be there when, when he we won the first championship in the history of the school. And you can't win a championship at Kenmore High School. I go to Kent State University. A guy named Don James comes there. They'd never, ever had uh, anybody uh, that, 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 that won a champ, Kent State team that won a championship. And before you know it, Jack Lambert's on that team. Nick Saban's on that team. A bunch of other guys. And we won a championship there. So I had two high school football coach and a college football coach that had a huge influence on me and, and kind of sparked my interest for getting into coaching. And certainly to be surrounded by people like that, uh, you know, that's kind of where I kind of, you know, kind of decided the, the philosophy I was going to have. I, I'm a real big Don James guy. Um, I was a captain for him uh, and, and attention to detail and, and having uh, standards for every part of your program, for every person in your program. Um, and create an environment of, of, of success. And that's really all the influence of those, co- those two coaches and the, the, the program, building program that I learned from Don James, uh, defining my personality really was, was significant for me. Yeah, Coach, I, I remember several times you would talk about um, the integrity and how you went about your job. I know as an assistant, the, the, the assurance that you provided the, the, your assistants that you were the person making the call, no one from the outside was going to come in and tell you how to run your program, what moves you should make, what, what uh, formations or adjustments you should make. You were the head coach and everyone knew that you had everyone's back. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the, the way it starts. Organization, you get, you get a staff of good people around you. You know, you bring players in, and and you create, uh, you know, have a plan for how you're going to create this this environment for success. You just don't go and say, okay, let's work hard, guys. Let's uh, let's put the best effort we can today. Okay, let's get it going. Well, it was so much more than that. It was developing leadership, you know, teaching kids responsibility and accountability for academics were just as important as going to football practice. Uh, you know, that, that whole infrastructure that we put in, plugged in, uh, changed coaches, changed players' attitudes, ideas, thoughts. And, you know, that's really the cultural change that's very difficult to do, Pat. You know that is. And, uh, but, but you, you do it because you have your, your, your coaches, we all work together. We have a plan, a system. Like you said, you don't come in our program, just start coaching your own way. You didn't do that. We have a, we had a philosophy of how you coach, how you teach, how you reprimand players, how you love, care about players. 
and and to detail everything we ever talked about in meetings actually took place within the structure that we had so it was no fluke out there we had a you know i had a lot of good people around like, like yourself and um you know you plug with people's kid in my coach used to say just plug into the system and do it and in, in a lot of respects that's true but just still the personal side of of in relationship sides was hugely important you know in 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 developing teamwork and coach a lot of our listeners are high school coaches and high school teachers maybe they're doing both um and and just kind of you know younger coaches around the world and um if you can think back to when you were just beginning out coaching and you know you didn't have you know necessarily the blueprint in place um and you were learning and all that did you think that it was harder to instill your culture or i guess develop your culture with your coaching staff that you had around you or was it harder with the athletes themselves uh well for me just because i i knew what i wanted to do i didn't i didn't you know, become a head coach and then start asking my assistants, you know, how do you want to do this? How do you want to do that? I didn't know exactly I want to do everything. And that sounds, you know, it sounds conceited. It sounds self-serving, but I knew, and Pat knows what I'm talking about, A to Z, I knew what we were going to do, how we are going to do it, where we are going to do it. And what I had to do is I had to coach my coaches. They understood their responsibilities that they had to do. And, and there was really not much vote in it. Although when we went through our, you know, this is how we coach, this is how we teach, this is how we recruit, this is how we went through all these things in great detail. We were trying, you know, we were training coaches, you know, I was getting better as head coach, we were training coaches how we do all these things at Missouri. That's what we do at Toledo. That's how we do. And, and we set, you know, we kind of just set an environment and then we did the same thing for players. We taught them, we, you know, we taught them, we had leadership meetings. We had our, our, our veteran players, once the program got going, training the freshmen how to be Missouri Tigers, how you treat women, you know, how you, how you, how you are respectful to all, all people, all times. Uh, you know, I, you know, I go on and on all of a sudden. We just didn't go out there and throw a football and say, okay, let's be a team, rah, rah. We taught guys how to be, we taught guys how to be good teammates. And so, uh, it, it was, it was, it was, you know, educating the coaches who had worked for me, uh, uh, and and to get on the same page who we are, and then it just kind of, it, it just went right through all the coaches and all the other people, the academic people, the food service, everybody that touched my players, you know, had to understand this is how we do things, and there's a reason for it. But we always evaluated everything we did every year. So the football season was over. We evaluated the whole season. We, we would do that. We would do that for the whole season. We have a Sunday checklist. We evaluate everything. But recruiting's over. We go back and evaluate everything we did there. Spring balls. We go back and so we constantly tried to make ourselves better. We never sat back and just said well, we got all the answers. No, we don't. We have an infrastructure that's awesome, but we can always always make it three to five percent better and dig deep to, to find out how other people how they did things. Yeah, Coach, I remember. You telling me uh, if we're waiting to the end of the season to, to, to uh, talk about uh, to evaluate the program. I remember I would never want to come into your office at the end of the season and talk about what we could have done better. Your philosophy was, no, if you see something that we can do better, I need to know now. Uh, we're exactly. not we're not waiting exactly. on anything. Exactly. And that's and that's 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 kind of the never ending uh, uh, evaluation that you do within your program all the time to make yourself better. Um, it, you know, it's, it's kind of like having an assistant coach evaluation and you bring him in once a year to talk to your coach 
and, 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 and give him his evaluation and you listed 35 things he could have done to make himself better. And that's what I would do. I would, if I had a problem with any coach that day or the next morning, I would talk to him about it, get it done. If the, if the whole staff needed to learn about it, we'd go to staff meeting and, and all the coaches were learn that lesson. So we all could make ourselves better. And, and that's how we did everything. It, and that's the, you know, that's the system. That's, that's, um, that's what we, the culture that we tried to create. It's, I think it's hard to do, but mm-hmm. as you all know, when you find it, when you know that there's a plan for everything and you just stick with the plan, we'll evaluate to make it better. Uh, but everybody's got to be on board. Everybody's got to get on the boat. Everybody's got to be in. You can't have half the players in half out. When we got there, three with losing season in four years, it was one of the hardest things you ever had to do. But eventually the culture changed. And we had the whole, you know, everybody was on the boat or the bus or wherever you want to get going and do what we needed to do. And Coach, you actually brought up a really good point of having everyone on the board and you had a couple losing seasons there at the beginning, um, but then the culture started to change. How did, in today's, you know, high-pressure sports society, I guess I'll say, how did you get administration to buy in and, and have patience, I guess, because I know a lot of coaches out there, they're expected to get results immediately. So how did you navigate those administrative waters? Well, one thing is, you know, it was, it was Mike Alder and our athletic director. And I probably, if I didn't, I, I had known about Mike a little bit before I was coaching at Washington. He was Arizona State as an assistant. I was assistant at Washington. He was in administration. And I got to know, I, I knew of Mike Alder. And knew some good things about that. Heard about him, and, and to take this job, so that was the first thing. You know, I I I, I told Mike this too. I said, "There's going to be a time when people probably are going to want to get rid of me. You got to. I'm going to need. That's when I'm going to need you to be there for me." And I actually told him that. And uh, but I also knew that the detail and, and Pat Pat knows what this means because he was in, and you know what it means too because you were part of it. But. Uh, you know, when you see all these little things, the detail things that we're doing, it's going to eventually work. I mean, it's going to, it just took, took time. And I trusted that Mike Alden would know that. And he, he saw the detail of our organization. By the way, everything that we had detail organized, we did. We didn't, you know, some people have a book, 55 pages thick, and they say, this is us, and they don't, they don't do half of it. Okay, <laughs> everything, we, everything we say, we do. And Mike Alden knew our system. He knew about the Don James system. He knew uh, that in, in, as he came over and I, I would teach him and tell him things that we were doing in our organization. And he knew, you know, we had a clue what was going on. And he believed that it was going to turn. And uh, and I think that's probably as a relationship with, with your athletic director and, and communicate with him so he knows what you're doing and how you're how, how, how and why these changes are going to be significant uh, as, as, the, as the program grows. Yeah, Coach, I, I would guess that everyone in the program uh, knew what I'm about to say. And if I don't bring this up, I'm sure every former player that's out there listening to this, they, they would get on me. Team bottom line, one, we are enthusiastic. Two, be a six-second competitor. Three, we know our assignment. Four, we play tough and physical. When you talk about evaluating the program, I remember you saying, if this is important, then this is what we're going to evaluate everyone in the program on from top to bottom. And this is something we all knew. 
how how yeah. yeah how did you know that I, I guess that this was going to be we call it the uh, the foundation uh, yeah. why team bottom line team, team bottom, bottom line. line yes yeah um, yeah it, you know those are agree- and we graded guys on it too so we didn't say okay let's be enthusiastic and just you know we said okay rah rah be enthusiastic we went away. We, we would tell our players if they played through enthusiastic enough. It's, you know, we, they, we, we all these things. I think those are significant. I think the other thing, too, is the, the huge emphasis on attitude and being an encourager, not a discourager, being an energy giver, not an energy taker, and, 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 and changing attitude of players that came in and sometimes came from real difficult backgrounds. They, they, they were just brought up in, in, in really negative environments, but change, having a plan to change these kids and to have a great attitude. And so attitude was hugely important, and, and we just would not tolerate bad habits. Now, we also understood that some kids were going to be much more difficult because we understood their backgrounds. We, we, we went in their homes, other business, we understood what they did. So we knew it was going to be difficult. But at the end of the day, they had to be responsible to, to be in, in charge of their attitude. It was a choice. And, and then the other thing is, uh, we, which we talked about, is that we, we had to get rid of the excuse habit in our program. So the excuse habit, you know, you're, you weren't allowed to have excuses. You know, just weren't allowed. We, we did not. And kids had them for everything. I mean, everything when we first got there. I mean, it was it was unbelievable. And and, and we had to change it. And, and by the way, as we evaluated our players, like you said, Pat, we meet with our players. We talked to them about their enthusiasm. We talked to them about, their, are they competing hard enough? Do they play tough and tough enough? How was your attitude? This is just your attitude. I'm going to rank your attitude 1 in 10. You got 7. Uh, you, you started out here as a freshman five well you got up to seven your attitude's better or you don't use excuses or you still use excuses and we don't tolerate it so you know we can go on and on with this but uh you know you can list things that are really powerful but unless you apply it and i reply it daily in the process of how you do things you're not going to change you're not going to change behavior it's not going to happen but when you say these things and they are part of daily of what we're asking from you and, and teaching you. If you make a mistake on it, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna scold you. We're gonna we're gonna train you. Whatever we're gonna do, we're gonna pat, pat you. are gonna brush yourselves off, and then you're gonna get back and get going again. And we're gonna be positive to work with you. But these things are great power things to say. They really sound good, but as you all know, Pat, in our program, these things were expected. And freshmen came in. Our veteran players had to help us bring these freshmen around because they didn't understand what the heck we were doing. But eventually. They would. And that's kind of creating a culture for success. And that's kind of what I call it. This podcast is sponsored by Sorenex Exercise Equipment. Since 1980, Sorenex has been a family-owned business responsible for legendary innovations and training solutions that have changed the face of strength training. Today, Sorenex is the most sought-after strength brand for professional teams, colleges, high schools, and military units. During this process of growth, our clients have become an extended family to us, part of our brotherhood, our culture. We want to thank you, our customers, friends, and family for being the foundation on which Sorenex is built. We promise to do our best to continue to serve you with the best strength training equipment and service in the industry. And coach, you mentioned a couple times with, you know, attitude and positivity and things like that. Um, how big of a role or maybe that's the wrong question. How much of an influence did all of the resources at Missouri, such as the, you know, 
sports psychology program, the nutrition program, the athletic performance, you know, everything that was kind of available. I know it didn't all happen at once, but as those various aspects were added, how big of an influence or an impact do you think that they had on the program? Well, it was huge because, you know, I first started talking about attention to detail, and it's just not about throwing a football out there, you know, and, and whether it's the food service, whether it's, you know, the academic resources we have for our players, whether it was the psychology of sports, and I can go on and on and on. We had detailed plans, as you well know, in every one of those areas. And it wasn't everybody just came and did what they wanted to do. They sat down with me or sat with people, or people with our staff and said, okay, what approach, well, how can this help, how can we help these student athletes? Uh, be better people, better better players, uh, better you know uh, in, in every walk of life, and and uh, and I think that's really kind of you know all those ingredients were certainly important. That you always look out for for uh, you know people that could could help influence behavior, and all these people had a huge influence on helping us, and 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 we worked. We were compatible in how we worked, although. It was all clear through me and through our, you know, the, how we wanted to get things done. And uh, it was, uh, people just didn't come on and do what they wanted to. But we had really, really, really good quality people. And there's another thing that I want to mention too here that I think if, if any coaches are out there listening to this, so when I was our, our seniors in LS, I, I always bring in, I talk to seniors all the time. Dad, I had senior, Dad will tell you, I had senior meetings from the time the season was over. They were juniors to the next year. You know, I had, you know, probably all kinds of meetings every week I had during the season. But the importance of, uh, uh, senior means, and I would ask those guys, you know, what 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 is really important in our program? How do how can we make it better? I always I ask those guys, just like I, you know, uh, and so and and when I ask them these, and, and they said that you know we you coach this crossover dinner thing that you started about eight nine years ago. They thought it was one of the best things for bringing the team together and having an understanding for your teammates. You know, because a lot of guys, they could see guys come in really struggling with the discipline of the program, the attention to each other program. And, and a lot of our players would get frustrated at it. But when they found out the backgrounds of some of their teammates, you know, they, 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 they reached out their hand, man, I'm going to help you. And what we did at these crossover dinners, we would have, uh, we had two or three a year, generally three a year. Players really wanted more, but it was kind of hard to fit it in where it worked the right way. But what it was is we'd have a night, let's say the first first Tuesday in March, um, right before spring football, and I would have we divide our 127 players up into into our strength coach coaches, uh, our football staff, and some others, and we'd probably have like 16, 17. We get about 10 or 11 players randomly would go to my house and every every all the coaches' houses. So you have 11 players. So you divide it up on the whole team. We go to all these. We go to all these, and we we have cookouts. So I have eleven players. Pat, could I, Coach Ivy, have eleven players of his? Coach Christensen, our office coordinator, time would have it of his. And so we'd all be going simultaneously at the same time. And that sounds cool. We're having you know we're having different players. A lot of players you don't hang out with a lot of times. You're just kind of randomly put in. That was kind of cool. And and you know you know being in the family environment, that was kind of cool. But the thing that they stressed was this. What we would do in that meeting is I would, uh, okay, so we're eating, then we're all going to go downstairs. We sat around kind of like in a circle, and we sat around, and I said, okay, I'm going to start this. And, uh, and and this is a crossover meeting, so I, so I would I would get up and say, I'm, I'm Gary Pink on Tesla Book with University of Missouri. I grew up in, I, where I grew up, I talked about my mom and my dad. I talked about my brother and sister who had a disease called hereditary spastic paraplegia. And I grew up in a special needs home. And and 
and I'd sit down and I'd talk about five minutes and I'd get one of our, one of the teammates, okay, Bobby, whoever, Chase Daniel would stand up and say, I'm Chase Daniel from Dallas, Texas. And Chase Daniel would start telling his story about he is. And then there was guys that came and it just, it, some of the guys just had horrifically difficult family backgrounds. And it was just so, my players told me this. This 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 allowed the players to have a great understanding of their teammates. And then the next time we did it, we did it three times a year. The next time we did it, we'd make sure that all the players were in different with different players than they were the previous time, so that they can learn more about their teammates and their understanding. So I know I'm going on and on about this, but I mentioned this because I think this is really really important to bring continuity. And trust. You want them to trust each other, love each other, care about each other. This allows them to really understand their backgrounds, and that they can be a better teammate, and they can be a better friend to these guys, which ultimately, uh, you know, defines the strength of who you are and what you're about. Yeah, Coach. I I know just being around you and being in, around the program, uh, there were there were things that you always said. You always had some quotes that that you all that were your go tos. And you would talk about we do what we do and you would say we don't change. And sometimes people that didn't know you, they would get frustrated. They would get frustrated at you because they would say, well, are you not willing to to make things better? And that couldn't be further from the truth. There was no one hungrier, more hungry than you to improve and get better. You you would always every offseason find ways to improve, whether it was the sports psych, uh, you uh, really just as a head coach, allowing the head strength coach to go back to school to get a doctorate in sports psych. I remember uh, learning things in class. It would take me a week to learn them. It would take me a day to figure out how to um, how I wanted to share it with you. You would pick it up in five minutes, turn back around and give it to the team. And I would I would be amazed at how you could learn so much. So something that w- could be so complex, turn it into something that was simple, deliver it to the team and have it into the program. Uh, it was, it was scary at times. Yeah. You know, it, it's interesting because when we were struggling, the se- the game would be over or the season be over. And it's initially, you know, just get to turn this thing three losing seasons in the first four years. And, and I would have the meeting and after the season was over, I interviewed me. Okay, coach, what are you going to do? And I said, going to fire somebody. He's going to, what are you, you going to change? And I, and I, and I would t- say this, Mike all that drove Mike all crazy because he would just get blasted <laughs> from everybody. They would say, it's okay. But we, and I tell the media, I'm not changing a thing. I'm, I'm just looking at like challenge me. And they would be hard to say anything. You're not going to change anything. No, I'm not going to change anything. We're gonna make ourselves better. We're gonna keep doing what we do because what we do works. And Mike Holman said, "Please don't tell them that you're not gonna change anything." So later on in my career, they found out that we, you know, we, you know, I think Nike calls a relentless evaluation. We talked about this earlier in this, in this podcast, but you know, there was nothing more further to choose. We evaluated everything we did all the time, but the basic structure of who we are and what we are and how we did things never changed. We always improved everything, but at the end of the day, you know, you know, you, you could, you know, like, uh, I think Barry Odom said that he was, uh, he was talking about me as, as a coach. He said he, he, he went away um, as a graduate assistant. He came back years later as a full-time coach 
And, and he said, I went back to the meeting, and the meeting, the first four things he did in the meeting, he did academics first. And he, did, he, he said, nothing changed. Mm-hmm. The same thing he'd been doing for forever. And uh, But it, it, it did work. I mean, every, what we did work, but we, again, the relentless evaluation that you get from Nike, something I learned, learned that from Don James. You're evaluating things all the time. And coach, so with not wanting to change or refusing to change just because of the wins and loss column, um, but knowing that you have a, a sound structure and a sound blueprint, um, but hindsight is always twenty twenty. So now that you've retired, is there something that you would change either when you were first starting out or are you sticking with the not going to change because it worked? And it, it obviously it did work very well, but. I didn't, you know, no, it, you could tell no, your younger self. Yeah, you know, I, I see what you're saying. I, no, I, I, we, we, I would, if I, if I, if I decide tomorrow I was going to work and I took a job as head coach somewhere else, I would do the exact same thing that I did, uh, with with a lot of little different things that we did make changes to make things better. Mm-hmm. Um, but the infrastructure of who we are, how we are, how we create, how we change behavior, how we, how we demand excellence how we discipline our players, how we teach our players to be accountable, responsible people, which carries over to be an accountable, responsible football player. All these things, which, you know, you, you know, we, we don't have enough time in, in two weeks to cover it all. But I, I, would, I would, without question, I'd run our program. We just did our program. Mm-hmm. And plug it in and, and uh, get everybody to believe in it. And, um, and that's, uh, that's kind of the, you know, it's kind of interesting when, I went to work as a part-time assistant for Don James at Washington. He was just there a couple of years and, and he brought me in. I was the captain for him. And so I coached the tight ends, which was neat. And I recruited Hawaii, which I took a lot of slack from all the coaches. He gave me Hawaii to recruit. That's a lot. Of, that was tough, wasn't it? <laughs> but anyway, but I'm, I'm coaching, I'm coaching there. And one of the things he really later on, he told me, and I didn't realize this. I was a soldier of the Don James program. And so I hear I, I was a captain for him, you know, when we won a championship there, uh, first one ever. And here's this Gary Pinkle guy. Gosh, this, and I was at the time, I was, you know, I was 23 years old. I was 24 years old. I was two years old and seniors on that team. And a bunch of these guys would come up and ask me about stuff. And, and I, and I would, you know, I, the mat drills, I mean, all, all this kind of things. I, I would, I would, I would, I would tell the players about the power of the program and 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 i and later on coach james said that's one of the re- reasons he hired me because he knew those players would navigate to me and really find out is coach james crazy or, or not you know no he's not crazy he knows we knows what the, I, I guarantee i get look at these guys i guarantee it's gonna work i'm not i'm not suggesting it might work i'm guaranteed and really those things kind of went on so you know Having a philosophy, believing what you're believing, changing behavior is a process that daily gets done, and everybody in the in your organization has to be a part of it. And and the thing, and the most important thing about changing behavior, if you see you know, what you really do, you keep and you praise. That's what you do. You critique and you praise daily, whether it's in academics, where we're dealing, if kids are doing a great job, you're praising. If they need critiqued to make themselves better, whether it's uh, make sure you're on study table on time, make sure you take books to study table, make sure, make sure you treat people respectfully, everybody that you t- touch to. If you deviate from every other of those, they would probably get some awareness training and we give them some training and make them aware of why they got to do the right things the right ways. And so that's changing <laughs> culture. And, and, um, I believe in it and I would believe I would do everything the same, you know, certainly making all the little teeny changes that we made that made a difference. Yeah. Coach, uh, I remember 
many times you would talk about adversity. You would talk about overcoming obstacles. And um, I just have one last question for you as we wrap up here. But you've you've uh, gone through some adversity yourself. And can you just tell the listeners, you know, how things are going, how you're doing uh, personally and health wise? Yeah, well, you know, 2015, I was diagnosed with uh, lymphoma, Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, and I just decided at that time that I was going to make sure I spent my time right. Hopefully, I've got to live another 25, 30 years, but I just, I didn't know, no one knows what's going to happen. Uh, and so I decided I was, I was going to, uh, you know, get out of the business that's remarkably time consuming. And so I made that, felt great about it. Um, my cancer went in, went in remission and it can come back out of remission. It will eventually and did. And you take treatment again and you keep battling through it. And, uh, you know, you, you, that's just really what you do. You say your prayers. I'm very thankful for, uh, uh, myself that I, that I, you know, that they can do things to try to help me. I, I maintain a great attitude. I feel very good right now. There's a lot of people out there that have a lot worse cancer, uh, cancers than Gary Pinkel does. Prayers to all those folks out there. And let me mention this too, that, that the importance of, of, um, uh, studying and research for all cancers is the, is the difference maker. That's why people are living longer now. That's why they're beating cancer better than they ever have. I think, and I say this to people out there that if you give some money for research and you think, oh, I'm giving some money for research cancer, you don't think much about it. Well, I'm suggesting you should think a lot more about it because it's a difference maker. And, and, and I don't care, you get given five bucks to can't help research and cancer. At the end of the day, that's what's winning this battle. And so, uh, a huge emphasis on that. And, uh, I am luckiest guy in the world. I wake up every day, have a good attitude, work hard, and uh, count my blessings. Cool. And I can say one other thing. I use this for our team. About, you know, you never know when greatness is around the corner. Right. I, I, I thing that I always told my my team, and that's 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 you know, my first losing season, losing season, winning season, losing season. And that fourth that fourth year when we had we went backwards. And I kept telling the teams, you never know when greatness is around the corner. And that's like my last, my second to last year at Toledo. We had, we had, um, we were three, we had some real good teams. We had a tough year with had some injuries. We were three and five and we had to win our next three games to, to have a winning season. Well, if someone had told me that time, you're not only going to win the next three games, but you're going to win 11 of the next uh, 10 games, 11 year game. You're going to win 14 games in the next 15 games you play. I'd have punched them in the mouth. Okay. <laughs> There's no way we're going to do it. You never know when greatness is around the corner. So when things get tough, you battle. You battle and battle and battle because you never know when greatness is around the corner. 2000 and 2011. Uh, we had a we had our, our losing season in 2012. Excuse me, the first one we had in like eight years, and we had a losing season. We changed everything. No, heck no. We went back, reevaluated things. We did some little things different. But at the end of the day, you know, we, and, and I told the team at the at, at, at the at the year that we had Zingo Bold, and I told our team, you never know when greatness is around the corner. And 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 that's the that's the force that says keep battle and keep going. Well, guess what? We won 23 games in the next two years, two divisional championships. You never know when greatness is around the corner. And that's inspirational. And I think coaches can do that. You can use that with your kids when they have bad grades. You keep grinding because you never know. Thanks, Coach. Uh, And I know you've written a book about it. So our listeners, you can reach out and uh, you can look for that book. I believe it's The 100-Yard Journey. 
Yeah. And um, and coach, where can people find you if they're uh, looking? Well, you can you can go to our website uh, gpmade.com, uh, GaryPinkle.com. I have a foundation now called um, the GP Made Foundation, and Made is an acronym M A D E to make a difference every day in the lives of children. Wow. And we've we've raised a lot of money uh, in a golf outing uh, this past uh, this uh, about two or three weeks ago. Um, and that's what this we this 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 what we do is we raise money cancer for kids with lymphoma and leukemia. We raise money to help kids with special needs, like my brother and sister, kids that have physical needs and challenges. And we help kids that come from really, really difficult backgrounds. That's what we do. That's GP Made Foundation. So you can get uh, that'll be certainly a part of the website too. People can look at that. All right, thanks, Coach. It's been a pleasure. I love you, and um, just uh, keep going strong. Yeah, I love you guys too, man. Take care. God bless you. Okay. And it's very honored to be on there with that. Right. How much respect I have for you, buddy. Thanks. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Soranex Exercise Equipment. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. You can find show notes and more at beyondsetsandreps.com. That's B-E-Y-O-N-D-S-E-T-S-A-N-D-R-E-P-S dot com.